0: welcome to the reality revolution. Today we have a fresh new Neville Goddard lecture, one that I haven't seen before, called We Are God Himself, delivered on October 24th, 1969. Remember when Neville uses masculine phrases to refer to God, he's not talking of sex. He is saying that it's beyond sex. Don't get caught up in the masculine or feminine nature of what he refers to god as the key message that neville taught continuously is that god is not outside of ourselves that we are god and here in another lecture he makes his argument that we are god himself to tell you who you are would really shock you Here we sit in this world of ours, frightened, scared to death. And here we are, God himself, the very God who created the whole vast universe and sustains it. And to tell you that, well, the first thing you do, you resist it. Because it seems impossible, and the one who utters, it must be insane. It tells you, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.19 Has he really entrusted to us the message of reconciliation? Yes. As he awakes within us, he entrusts us that message, and we tell it to our brothers who are equal with ourselves. We are no better off. We're no greater. And we can't be greater than God. You tell it to those who are still waiting and are confused by reason of the dream and of the sleep into which they have placed themselves when it happened to a man he is called in the mysteries paul he resisted everything in the world then it happens in him a plan awakens within him and then he said from now on we regard no one from the human point of view even though we once regarded christ from the human point of view we regard him thus no longer no longer then what did he believe christ to be What the whole vast world still thinks that he is. They think he was a man. Something divorced from them. Something distinct. And something on the outside that came in some unique manner. They do not see Christ as God's plan of salvation. God prepared the way for his sons to return to himself. And Christ is the way. Why should we be disturbed and be surprised when we read in scripture that a serpent spoke? we take that for granted we read that the serpent said unto the woman so and so and then Balaam's ass spoke then in daniel a tree became a man and we read all these things but then you hear that christ is a plan that also has a voice and that everything is personified in scripture so when you read i am the way and the truth and the life no one cometh unto the father except by me here is a plan John 14.6. The only road to God with a voice, a plan, is speaking, and the plan is in man. Why should I be surprised if a plan takes a voice, and not be surprised if a serpent speaks? This is scripture, and this is something entirely different from anything that you would sit down to write. So God was in his plan reconciling his sons to himself. He banished his sons for a purpose, you and I are the sons. All of us are the sons. He has set a bound to the people of the earth according to the number of the sons of God. Deuteronomy 32, eight. Not one child can be born that is not simply a mask that a son of God wears. No one can be born who is not the mask that God's son wears. So he has set a bound to the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now, he is in his plan. Christ is called the plan of God. He prepared a plan for his sons to return to himself. Returning to himself, he has given them what he really wanted always to give. He wanted to give his sons himself. God's plan is to give us himself. He couldn't give us himself until he first banished us. And we were sent out into this world, a world of death, a world of horror a world of despair. But he had prepared the plan before that the world was, that when he brought us back by this plan, that would be God himself, because really there is only God here. O oh, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy 6.4 There's only one body, ultimately only one spirit, only one hope, only one Lord, only one faith only one baptism, only one God and Father of all. Ephesians four four, That, in the end, all constituted the one body, the one Spirit, the one hope, the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism, and the one God and Father. So in the end, there is only one. So from now on, said he, I regard no one. It happened in him. He went to take all the people who were called the people of the way, and to bind them and bring them into Jerusalem. While he was on the road, and the word road is simply a progress, the same word as the way, he was blinded by the truth. It happened in him, and then he had to defend what happened in him against those who were still blind. Standing before those who were blind, he said, You cannot prove anything against me, for all that you will now try to prove against me is only what our fathers believed, that God would raise the dead not a thing you can prove against me that is not what you now believe only in me it has happened and in you it will happen that's what he is telling those to whom he spoke so here every being in the world i don't care what he is what he has done what he's planning to do it is all god the whole thing is god and there's nothing but god now let me share with you i've told you in the past what has happened to me I know from my own personal experience that God is love. When I say love, you can't describe it. You use the word love, and we do know what it is to love a child. We who have had a child, we know what it is to love a child. We know what it is to love our wives. We know that's a feeling that you can't describe. You know what it is. But when it comes to a child, you know what it is to love that child, to stand in the presence of infinite love and have love embrace you having first been asked a very simple question to name the greatest thing in the world and then you answer in the presence of love that the greatest thing is love because you can't think of anything but there's nothing but love at that moment of incorporation you are love that's all that you are from then on though others may not see it you are wearing the body of love so you tell others what happened to you they may or may not believe it but you can go right on the extreme limb and tell them there are some standing here who shall not taste of death before they know the truth of what i say luke 9:27. they shall not taste it they shall not depart this world but really nothing dies not in god's world nothing really dies but you shall not depart the world until you know the truth of what i say that this pathway to God is a series of mystical experiences in which God reveals himself in action for the salvation of his sons. He brings them all back into himself as himself. They are God himself, so I've told you that I was incorporated into the body of love. And from that moment on, though not seen by mortal eye, it's the body that I wear. Whether I am awake or asleep, judged by human standards, that's the body that I wear. It's her privilege to give the eyes to anyone in this world. But when you give in the spirit, you keep what you give. And the thing that you give increases in its potency. Love increases if you can increase it. I thought it was infinite. And how can you increase infinity? But nevertheless, there it was. It still increases. Wisdom increases. Power increases if you give it. And so you give your immortal eyes so that they may see the truth of what you say. And she or he to whom you give it, they can give it and still retain it. You never lose your gift. If you give it spiritually, it augments itself. So here comes this experience of one who's here tonight, and she tells me that I awoke within this dream. It was a complete waking state because I heard the most heavenly music, and it was coming from this huge house in which I lived alone with my father. He and I shared this house, so I got out of bed, and I went into the foyer, and I heard heavenly music surrounding me. I looked into the room, and there was this brilliant light. A ball of light, seated at a little pulled-out chair, playing the piano like a concerto. The most heavenly music was coming from it, but within the light was the skeleton of a child, a skeleton of a child in radiant light. I said to myself, I must find someone who is a witness to what I'm seeing. I must. I don't believe that Neville himself would believe it. I must tell him, But I can't see how he could even believe this incredible thing that I am now witnessing, and I must find a witness. For if two agree in testimony, and the two are different, and yet they agree in testimony, then it's conclusive. That is Scripture. There must be two. One cannot witness to himself. But she lived in the house with her father. Scripture tells us that when he confessed, they said to him, but your testimony is of yourself, therefore it is not true. He said, yes, you have a law that only when two agree in testimony is it conclusive. But my testimony is true, for I am not alone. The one who sent me, who is my father, he witnesses with me. John 8, 13 through 19. So here, the father, the earthly father, is but a symbol of the heavenly father in her vision. She actually lived in the household with her father, who is really herself. For the whole vast world is seeking the father. The father is the cause of the phenomena of life. But man does not realize that it's not another than himself until he finds the father. Finding the father, he finds the father is himself, and he is the sole cause of everything that is happening in this world. There is no other cause in the world. So she lives in the home with her father. She wanted to find the father. Seeing this now, she hears a noise coming from the room. It's her father, and her father is on his way to work. It's quite early, and as he comes out, she says to him, "'Do you hear what I'm hearing?' And he said quite simply yes I do she was astonished that he heard because she knew this was a vision yet he knew it he heard it as she held him by the hand as he was about to go through the door to work and she dragged him and opened the door to look in and the scene she saw before is still there here is this brilliant ball of light with a child skeleton in the light playing this heavenly concerto and he said yes I see Then she had a witness now. She wants to come and tell me the story with her witness, which is her father. So she started towards my home. As she arrived at the home, it's not the father, it's her friend Natalie. And here Natalie is with her, but Natalie knows nothing of what the experience was. Her father knew it. So they came into my house. As they entered the place, they knew that here was his living room, my living room. They knew that is she knew and natalie with her that my wife bill was asleep upstairs but here my living room was not what you'd call a living room but it was a garden a heavenly garden with the most beautiful flowers and there i was surrounded in a body of love she's looking at you i knew i could not disturb you you seemed to me to be the prince of light completely enveloped in a body that is only love i can't describe it other than it was simply love i looked at you You looked at me as though you didn't even see me, and I knew that what I'd tell you would be silly to you, for you knew it all. You knew it completely, so why even disturb what you were doing? You were watering these flowers and gathering these beautiful white flowers for the one that you loved. She was sound asleep upstairs, but you would take these flowers to her that you had watered and you had given life, for you were life itself, and then you gave it love and brought these flowers in a bouquet to her while she slept as morning after morning you did it in this wonderful place that was your garden which was your living room whole vast world is simply a shadow everything here is but a shadow your earthly parents are simply symbols of your heavenly father the one who now tells you the story is now sent i have told you i have been enveloped in the body of love and the one to whom i gave The eyes would have to, before I depart the world, see the truth of what I am telling you. This was a messenger. God was in Christ. Which is simply, use the word instead of Christ. God was in his plan of redemption, his path of redemption, reconciling his sons to himself. He banished his sons for a purpose, and then we become the messengers of reconciliation. He's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation after we experienced it. And you can tell it to the whole vast world confidently That you will not depart the world Until someone testifies of the truth of what you've said You are now enveloped in love When she saw the child, a skeleton that has all through the centuries been the symbol of Christ Christ is always the child Then you clothe it in love, the pathway you experience He said, I am the way I am the truth, I am the life, John fourteen sixteen. This is a pathway speaking It's a path speaking. The way of redemption that is speaking as the serpent spoke, as the tree became man and spoke. So a way of redemption takes on the human form and speaks to man. We enter the pathway. It takes man to externalize and awaken the path because the only man could do it because God and man are one. It takes man who is the living way. Here's a way. It seems not to be alive. And then you come upon the way. And there's only one way to the Father. As you enter the way, you are really the one resurrecting the way. It begins with the resurrection and you resurrect the entire way within yourself. You are the one truly living way to God the Father. When you arrive, there you are, God the Father. Then you are now entrusted with the message of reconciliation and you tell it. Some will deny it as they're more interested in things of the world... They want, like today's paper shows, a diamond that was sold for 1000000 and a few hundred thousand dollars on a lady's finger. Well, there are certain ladies in this world who would want that more than what I'm talking about. They would love to have that beyond anything in the world. But to tell them to have this, which is a living way awakening within yourselves, where it takes them back from the outer world of death into the living world of being God the Father, they wouldn't be interested. Oh, no they'd rather have that and show it and brag about it all and love it she would not be alone there are millions tonight who would love that piece of dead stone but valued by man in the outer world at a million plus and that would be to them the most marvelous thing in the world but to tell them this story he said they were stubborn and they would not believe it they were not interested they'd rather have the acclaim of man and the honors of man but certainly not this so i tell you What I know from experience, you are the man who animates and activates the way when you enter it, and there is only one way back from where we are to where we were, and where we were was the Father. We came out from the Father and came into this world again. We are leaving this world and returning to the Father, John 16, 28. The return to the Father has been fixed for us, and before we came out, that pathway was done. He prepared the way for his loved ones to return. But we went berserk all over this world having all the experiences of death. Then comes that moment in time when there's only one way back. It's a very narrow way for you can't go through it in any other way than simply by this series of events. Diets will not take you back. Your position in the world will not take you back. Whether you are socially prominent, financially sound intellectually a giant no matter what you are in the outer world that will not take you back there's only one way back and that way is a series and only one series of mystical experiences in which god reveals himself in action for the salvation of his son he brings his son back and when the son comes back he is god the father and that is the destiny of everyone in this world so now that i have heard one tell it i am completely satisfied yes One saw me clothed in power. Yes, I am at moments clothed in power, clothed in wisdom. But now one has seen me clothed as I really am. For in the story, when he embraced me, he was love. That's the one in whom I am incorporated. I am forever in that body. As you will be forever in that body when you go through the series. You're right back into one body and that body is love. You can't describe it. As she said, I could not describe it. I only knew standing in your presence... You were the prince of light. Well, listen to the words of the 82nd Psalm, and God is speaking in the presence of his sons. He said, I say that you are the sons of the Most High. All of you, nevertheless, you will die like men and fall as one man, O ye princes. 82-6. You fall as princes because you were princes, but you were going to go back as the king. You are princes. But you will return into the body who is king of all, lord of all. For in the end, there is only one God containing all of his sons. But he now shares his being with his sons, and they are all the same being. They are the Lord God. So I tell you, you can give anything away in this world, and you'll keep it. If it's a spiritual gift, you'll keep it. You do not lose your gift. The gift becomes augmented and becomes an expansion of what it was. If it was love, love increases, no matter what it is although it seems how on earth could this be increased you can't conceive of this love that embraced you ever growing beyond what it was it seemed infinite yet in some strange way by the return of all his sons maybe that love can be increased maybe that wisdom and that power can be increased and it's not really infinite it is simply an ever-expanding illumination So I thank her for sharing it with me, and she in turn has given her eyes to others. The others who received it will give it, and yet all will retain the gift, and by giving the gift is increased. So here when you use the word Christ, think of Christ as the plan of redemption. When you read, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, do not see it as a single man 2,000 years ago, making this bold claim, and then 2,000 years after you are thinking of that being and turning to him and worshiping him. You see, the prophet's vision was really foreshortened and they saw as present what was future. Now, the present moment is not really receding into the past. It's advancing into the future. But I have told you now, if you hear it and believe it, it is advancing into your future so that really the bygone is not gone. It's oncoming. We read of these things as something that took place 2,000 years ago and we think now 2,000 years ago. And we've progressed since then, so it must have receded, for they told the story that happened 2,000 years before they were telling it. They told the story of Abraham that was 2,000 years BC, that is before it happened. Well then, 2,000 years later, that's 4,000, and you think it is always receding into the past. No, it's advancing into the future. All these things that are happening are not happening now once and for all. It's continually happening. So, everyone who is here this night, it's my hope before you depart this little sphere that it will happen in you. I can't tell you, looking at you with my mortal eye. I couldn't tell you. I could not give anyone the gift that I gave her from this level. I could only give it in another level. So, when I gave it, I would have given it to my wife or my daughter. That would have been my feeling that I must give it to the one who bears my name here. But I was not in control from this level. When the gift was given, I gave it from a different level of my own being. Of all the people in the world, here is one I do not know socially, and yet it's to her in the spirit world I gave it because it happens that way. She was just the one to whom it should be given. I retained the gift and she received the gift, and now her eyes are opened inwardly into the world of thought. As Blake said, I will not rest from my great task to open the eternal worlds, to open the immortal eyes of man inward, into the worlds of thought, into eternity, ever expanding, in the bosom of God, the human imagination, Jerusalem. So you give it, and she shares it. She cannot give it to anyone who asks for it, because she can only give it in spirit. If she gave it in spirit, as she did this night, in seeing the story of one clothed in love, and you can't describe it, how can one be clothed in love? Well, when you see it you see it clothed in love incapable of doing anything save in love and therefore everything in his presence is harmless that perfect love casteth out all fear in the presence of love not a thing could harm it isn't that strange that here we go into the jungle and we're afraid of the wild beasts and when you're clothed in love everything in this world is as harmless as a little kitten that is completely domesticated not a thing could harm you when you're clothed in love and you are destined to be clothed in love that little skeleton of a child and every mystic knows exactly what that symbol means here he will clothe it now in the 37th chapter of ezekiel all the dead bones he will lift them out and he will clothe them well he has only love so he clothes them in love and the harmony of the spheres comes into being and she heard the most heavenly music coming out of a piano played by a ball of light the skeleton itself was radiant light and it was a skeleton of a child so when you see the child you see the plan and not the bone shall be broken don't break one bone that's the plan on that little bone structure will be built the body and the body will be the body of love and so you see you do not lose your identity she knew me to be the neville that she knows even though i'm clothed now in a body of flesh but she knew neville and yet she knew that he was the prince of light And she knew he was the embodiment of love. She couldn't disturb the work he was doing, which was simply raising flowers, beautiful flowers. The flowers of Scripture, read the flowers of Scripture, and her name, by the way, is Sharon. In the Song of Solomon, we speak of the roses of Sharon, and he who spoke of her as my sister and yet my love, and then a lily of the valleys, 2-1. And all these flowers come into being, and they mean so much in Scripture, the things that are blossoming in the world of man, They are symbolic of what is taking place in man. They are only the fruit that love bears. So in the end, may I tell you, you are really God, who is infinite love. So when you read in the epistle of John, God is love, don't think for one moment. These are idle words. These are based upon experience. God is love. It's not an attribute of God. Wisdom and power, all these things are attributes of God, but not love. God is love and that is God himself. Then he incorporates you into his body as you go along the way, and then the son has returned as the father, and when you see that one thereafter, you see nothing but love, and yet you see your friend. Eventually, you will know him as your brother, and you'll be clothed in love. Can you imagine the end of this drama when the curtain comes down upon it, having brought back everyone that he sent out? Can you consider for one moment... For one moment, conceive of the thrill, the joy beyond measure when all the sons return, all clothed as God the Father, who is nothing but love. And the harmony she heard in her house, why that beautiful as it was to her, it is nothing compared to what you're going to hear. I heard it. I heard it just for a moment back in 1946, and you can't describe the beauty of the heavenly chorus that sings your redemption. When the whole chorus comes in, one little theme calling you by name by the way because you're so unique no one can take your place although we are one as the father we are distinct as sons and no one can take the place of another you are forever individualized forever and forever and yet together we are one father i can't describe it in words it can only be experienced And so you bear witness to yourself. He said, One cannot bear witness. It's a false witness. It would not be acceptable. And so he quoted scripture If two persons agree in testimony, then it is conclusive. If these two differ, and yet their testimony is one, then it is conclusive. Well, I have one who testifies to me, and that is my father. So she began the story with, I live in the home alone with my father, and he heard what she heard, and he saw what she saw so he testified to the truth of what she witnessed now she wants to tell the man who told her of the path to god she found when she got there it was not her father but a friend i call you friends i no longer call you slaves john 15:15 15, 15. the most perfect fulfillment of scripture in this vision then she comes in and instead of seeing what mortal man would see in the living room beautiful this that and the other man made she sees god made A garden of flowers and a lovely greenery. She said, A jungle that was not a jungle, because everything was so beautifully done, but flowers coming up, and I am watering and giving light, for I was the prince of the light, giving light to the flowers and giving love to the flowers. Then taking these flowers day after day to the one that I loved who was asleep above, waiting for the waking of that one. So everyone must wake in this world. And when they wake, they go the same pathway there's only one way there aren't two ways to god today they have numberless ways that people teach but they're false ways you can go on a vegetable diet from now till the ends of time you can go on any pathway other than this and that pathway will be false there is only one way and that one way is made up of a definite series of mystical experiences it begins with the resurrection and the same night like the other side of the same coin is your birth from above then a few months later five months later comes the third experience the first is a dual experience then what would be the second but still if you take these two and separate them which you shouldn't call them then that second one the second experience and that is the discovery of the son who reveals you as the father then the third experience is the splitting of the curtain of the temple which is your own wonderful body and your ascent into heaven which causes the whole heaven to reverberate with your return your return it's a joy then the fourth is the descent upon you of the holy spirit with the stamp of approval of the work that is perfect you are now as perfect as your father in heaven is perfect and you are one with your father and now he is holy and you are holy and that is the end now you are assigned a little i would say purpose in life for the remaining years to tell the message So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and has assigned us the ministry of reconciliation. So we are now ministers of the word. We are simply telling the message of this pathway from this world, which is the outer world of sin and death, to that wonderful inner world of God and heaven, which is perfect. So I tell you, don't despair. You are destined to awaken one day as God who created the whole vast universe. Yes. Not a little being, but God who created the universe and who sustains it. When all the suns have returned, and all are back as God the Father, in the twinkle of an eye, it will come to an end. It will not take time to dissolve the universe. It will come to an end. It was brought into being just for this purpose. Let our scientists speculate about the age of the universe. Billions and billions of years, and so many light years. Let them do it perfectly all right. The end will come suddenly. The beginning came suddenly in spite of what they tell us it was one grand explosion now we've just discovered that the moon that they thought came before or after is the same age as the earth they'll find that the sun is the same age as the earth they'll find the whole vast thing came into being as one grand scenic beauty for a purpose and the only little place that could house it which is a stage is earth earth and you're on it this is where all the suns are Sons will go back to the very being out of whom they came and they go back to the Father. So you are infinitely greater than you could ever conceive yourself to be, but I mean infinitely greater. So here, tonight, you may envision someone dislike someone. Well, that's because you're wearing a mask. And because of the mask, you can't recognize behind the one that you envy, the one that you loved before you came out, really loved. You're going to go back with the same love only increased by reasons of the experience of coming into this world there will be no envy no tears no darkness nothing of that world all of this will come to an end when we go back so i am so glad that i can tell you tonight there is one to whom i gave the eyes and then i remained long enough for her to have the experience of seeing me clothed in the body of love for i have told you time and time again and you have the tapes to record what I told you concerning the experience of love. Though mortal I cannot see it, I feel it all the time, I sleep in it, I wake in it, and it is always the clothing that I wear. Yet I must take this body up morning after morning and put it on, and have dim eyes, and not see quite what I ought to see. But the day will come when this is taken off, and I am clothed as she saw me, clothed in a body of love which is protection beyond measure. Not a thing can harm you clothed in the body of love for all fear is cast out for love casteth out all fear. What you do not fear cannot hurt you. You walk in a world that is created by you and everyone is destined to be clothed in that body. So here you are infinitely great and you are moving towards the discovery of it. Everyone in the world is really seeking one thing, seeking the father so in the household she lived with her father and he said yes quite innocently i hear it he was stunned i see it just what you see and then he seemed to vanish as she traveled the road towards my home and now she's in the presence of a friend then comes the unfolding picture of a garden we came out of a garden and returned to a garden but this time we are fully conscious of who we are and we are god the father in that beautiful living garden the end of these lectures neville would give two minutes of silence as we will do now followed by questions and answers now let us go into the silence now on monday we'll give you a very practical one It will not be like tonight so if you're interested in the practical side while we're still living in the world of caesar it will be on monday night we have to mix them up and give you one like tonight and then one on the most practical side how to really realize any dream in this world while you're here again there's only one way to do it you either do it knowingly or you do it unknowingly but you do it and there's only one way so monday night it will be on that theme now are there any questions please we have lots of time Ina, A question? Question. A question did arise, though, when you were speaking of the destruction of the earth or the world. What about the land of Atlantis and Lemuria that they are speaking of so much? Do you believe that they were lost continents? Neville says, Ina, my dear, I do not know. Really, in my visions, I have not seen that. I only see earth, and I see the heavenly world. Now, whether these things were once parts of this land of ours and sank, as some people teach, as Plato taught atlantis went down and then lemuria went down in the pacific so they teach that well it's an exciting story but i do not know from experience i do not know anything concerning what they are talking about my visions are all of the heavenly vision but if these things really happened it would still not mean that those who went down cease to be any more than when i depart tonight that i have gone only from one who can't touch me but i haven't really gone yes my dear question well I know a lady that used to come here and when she first came she had the most marvelous visions and seemed to open up centers and then suddenly she had terrible visions and she really is quite disturbed now she seems to have opened centers that take possession of her instead of her taking possession of I don't know how she explains it but Neville says well my dear I have people that will make that statement you open up centers and this that and the other you still have her as a friend, don't you? Well, tell her that it's not anyone opening up any centers, none whatsoever. There are certain schools of thought that teach these many centers in person. A friend of mine who saw me last Wednesday, no, it was, wasn't was Wednesday, it was Thursday. Jan, were you home Thursday? Yeah, yesterday. Well, only yesterday. And she told me she went to this place and they were asking certain questions and they spoke of seven centers. And now when you get to the seventh center... What do you think of, and what are you going to find? And Jan very boldly, and I'm so proud of her for having said it, she said nothing. Well, the lady was so distraught because she was setting herself up as a teacher, having gone to a little Maharishi or something who talks of all these centers. She said, don't you understand that you aren't going to find anything? You are only going to find yourself at the very end of the road. So what are all these so-called centers? the lady began to cry because she thought that she was now a teacher and all should obey her and listen to her as one endowed with this power question i'm not putting over what i mean about centers but it seems that what she said was at night she would have these terrifying experiences i don't know whether people would come but well i'm sorry i just can't explain it neville says well you know my dear few people will confess what they do in their silence so they do not recognize their harvest when it appears in their world i was in the company last night of a very wonderful dear couple friends of ours who have gone through a great tragic thing in the last few years and she told me for the first time last night at dinner that she gave her mother a great deal of trouble when she was a little girl then the mother in her advanced years developed cancer and lingered for quite a few years in frightful pain in the meanwhile she the daughter had two little girls one gave her more trouble than in the other and she said to her god long before she came here to discover that god was within her as her own wonderful human imagination and she talked to god as millions of people do and thought she could appease god for the things she had done to her mother she said to god i wish god you would take the one i love most and save my mother she's going to sacrifice the one she loved the most her own child like the story of abraham and isaac she took it into her own heart and made that bargain with god while well, the mother eventually died she was an old lady then came a third child who did all the things that her mother wanted her to do she was a great dancer she was in the public eye and she did all these things and then this girl for no apparent reason no apparent reason she had everything in the world to live for a good paying job her 500 a week everything a young girl then she committed suicide now the mother told me this last night and of course she still can't get over this blow of two years here was a girl making this fabulous fortune no obligations to anyone a single girl young girl and then commit suicide she made a bargain and it's not forgotten this is a play the most wonderful play in the world be not disturbed god is not mocked as a man soweth so shall he reap galatians 6 7 and so many people and there are today people who sacrifice children sacrifice people on the altar to appease god that was a common practice centuries ago and that little thought has still come through the minds of men and you don't actually sacrifice them but you ask god to make his choice of one you're willing to give up the one you love the most to appease your own heart for what you think you did to your mother and now she's suffering with cancer and so you feel you're contributing towards what she's now suffering because of your attitude towards her when you're young and you're willing to give up the one you love the most The one she really loved the most was the last one that did all the things that she herself wanted to do, but I did not tell her there are moments when silence is golden. Why add to her hurt? It just simply came up at dinner. Just the four of us, the two of them and the two of us, this wonderful confession out of the nowhere, but it had to come out as she was asking for some reason for the death. She had just preceded the reason by the story she told me. This is the most marvelous play in the world there's only this play. And it's not as Shakespeare said, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing, it's full of meaning. Every little thing is full of meaning. But man has so little memory, it's so short. So man sits down with himself, and he thinks now he's not going to be seen by anyone. And the only one who is worthwhile looking at him is within him. It's within himself, who is called the Father, and he sees everything that he is doing on the outside, and he will give it to him when he gives it to him he wonders why should this have happened to me for i am so good i am so clean i am so holy i give to the poor i do all these things but they don't know what they did in the silence the eighth chapter of ezekiel will tell you that they say no one sees us and they are engraving on the interior of the mind these horrible horrible monsters and they say no one sees us eight seven through 13 well the time is up now We're here, as you know, every Monday and Friday into December, and we close for a very short while. Come and bring a friend. Thank you. And this concludes We Are God Himself. I think it's very powerful to listen to the lecture, Sorrow Produces Glorious End or Redemption, in addition to this, because he is talking about the same person in which he claims to have given his eyes. He doesn't entirely explain what this means, but my understanding is he had given his eyes or her the ability to see divinely. And my interpretation is that he didn't knowingly do this now. He did this in vision and she accepted this and started to have these visions of the father and her own experience of what is seemingly the promise. And my question to you is, have you had dreams like this? Dreams of your father? Have you interpreted these dreams that your father possibly represents God? Have you had these dreams of living with your father in a house? I've had dreams like this and I've never actually thought of them in that sense. And I need to go back and look through my dream journals and really think about it. But we are experiencing this world in a vision and We experience all kinds of sorrows and terrible things. They're unfolding with us for a reason. And over time, they are giving us an experience that allows us to be reborn in this other world. This other world that is divine, which we are able to instantly imagine. And we are clothed in love, as Neville describes it. And there's nothing that can stop us when we are clothed in this love. Nothing to fear when we are clothed in this love. She sees Neville in her dream clothed in this love. He describes this experience of being clothed in this love. And I believe that we can all experience this, not just through revelation, but we can choose to clothe ourselves in this divine love. And... With application of our imagination, we can embody ourselves in this love and it is powerful. It raises our vibration, protects us from the things that we fear and the world changes around us. That's just my own interpretation of it. This is a complicated lecture. I really wish there was a Neville expert out there because I am not a Neville expert. I'm a reader of these lectures. I give you my own opinions and interpretations, which often can be wrong. But out there somewhere, I wish there was a professor at some college that read these lectures in that particular way where they could talk about his idea of the witness, his idea of Holy Spirit, the different references he makes and the stories that he refers to and the experiences that he has, because it's just so much. It's hard for me to even fully explain or portray my own opinions on it. And oftentimes I'm lost. But the thing about Neville is very much like reading the Bible, these lectures and the words that I'm reading speak to some part of me within. There's no way I can explain it, but it's describing some inner part of me that I can't put into words that is receiving these answers from these words that oftentimes can be repetitive or somewhat boring or a little bit different. But when I'm hearing it and open to these messages There's some other part of me that clicks in and totally understands what he's talking about, but I could never explain it. And I'd love to know your experience of listening to these lectures and and how you respond to it. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com. And welcome to The Reality Revolution.